G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A focus today back on the continent of Africa where the level of violence against women can be very disturbing. An Australian nurse working in Ethiopia who's been living in the war-torn Afar Desert in northern Ethiopia for more than 33 years has reported that a seven-year-old girl had been gang-raped by soldiers and has died of her injuries. Valerie Browning is the auntie of renowned Australian surgeon Dr Andrew Browning, whose story is told in the biography A Doctor in Africa. Well, Dr Andrew Browning has just returned from the war zone, where he operated on women who've been injured during obstructed childbirth. He wants to bring attention of Australians and our leaders to the plight of many victims of what is known as Africa's silent war. Andrew Browning, a special welcome back to 2020. Great. Thanks very much, Neil. Andrew, this is not just stories that come from your auntie working in Africa, but you've seen these sorts of things close up, uh, the sort of devastation that comes on the life of a young girl or a woman, when they are abused in war circumstances? Yes, I mean, just back from that war zone a couple of weeks ago, as you said, it was awful to be there. I was actually trying to get there in November last year to help women with uh, all sorts of injuries from childbirth and in our hospital there. But um, the day I was due to go there, the 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 roads were completely cut off by fighting. The fighting came within a few kilometres of our hospital. There was shelling and artillery. Um, everything was blocked. I couldn't get there. And one poor lady who had dreadful injuries and was you know, leaking urine and feces after a difficult childbirth and and um, and a dead, delivering a dead child had travelled 800 kilometres across the desert past the fighting, um, you know, past locust plagues and famine, and I, I couldn't get to her to, to treat her. And she... We transported her back to her home, and I was able to get back to her just a, a few weeks ago. But during the interim, because of the fighting, I mean, food supplies, everything's been destroyed, so she was incredibly malnourished now. Uh, we were able to do part of her treatment, not not her full treatment, because she was just far too weak. It just affects so many women's lives in so many ways. And there's a lot of health infrastructure has been destroyed by the, the rebels in that area. And women are on the move, and communities are on the move, fleeing the fighting. There's 300,000 people displaced and fleeing the fighting now. Women are, um, pregnant women are delivering under trees um, wherever they can. Many women, many more women are dying in labour because there's just no transport anymore. There's no access to health facilities. Uh, yeah, the situation is very, very, very difficult. And as you said, abuses as well um, of women and, you know, even young girls as, as young as seven being abused by by soldiers as a weapon of war. Um yeah, it was, uh, it's difficult to describe just the, the suffering that people go through at the hands of other other people. Um, so we're there to help what we can and how we can. And my aunt's there 
still there uh, in amongst the fighting and, and helping with the displaced people and to relieve suffering and bringing people that can be brought to our hospital for treatment and care. The conflict in Ethiopia we're talking about between the Tigray People's Liberation Front and the ruling Ethiopian government. And we're not hearing anything about that in any mainstream media. It's as though the war in Ukraine has taken all the oxygen out of information and interest about what's happening in Ethiopia. What are your concerns about the fact that no one knows of the plight of these people who are doing it so tough? Yes, I mean, the the war fighting has been going on for about 18 months now, even a little bit longer. And what did reach the news in Australia and other places earlier on, but yes, as you say, the news from Ukraine has kind of eclipsed um, the fighting that has gone on there. The fighting has gone waxed and waned in Ethiopia. It um, was certainly very active a few weeks ago. It's waned a bit now, but there's talk of another another increase in fighting um, from the Tigranian Liberation Front into the two neighbouring areas called Amahara and Afar in the, in the coming weeks. We just pray that that doesn't happen. There is still active fighting, but there's talk about an increase in, in fighting um, in the coming weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, there are hundreds of thousands of people displaced, um, hundreds of thousands facing a life with no homes, no food, no water. And when the fighting is retreated, there's nothing that, left of their villages. There's nothing for them to go home to. And very, very few, if any, people willing to help. My aunt is there with her organisation to feed and care for as many people as they can. I mean, just recently, some of the large NGOs have started to take an interest again, the UN World Food Programme and so forth, but very, very limited. And mainly just helping my aunt procure foods and she's She's doing the distribution uh, with her organisation. Um, the, the big organisations really aren't, still aren't uh, very active in that area at all. What sort of major needs are there? I know that your own foundation, the Barbara May Foundation's made a significant contribution to the work that your aunt is involved in. What sort of major needs are there? Is there a dollar figure that you've been able to put on uh, just getting the basics in place? Oh, yeah. We've well through the Barbara May Foundation, we've been able to um, uh, you know feed well, probably around about fifty thousand people uh, for some months. But um, and what we could do with you know another quarter of a million quite immediately to to help uh, feed many many more. And uh, our priority with the Barbara May Foundation because we look after pregnant women and and children. That's our our main aim. So we're looking after feeding those those women. Um, yeah, but there's a yeah, quarter of a million dollars would be, be wonderful in the immediate uh, future to help you know a significant number of other pregnant ladies and you know, lactating mothers and so forth just to survive the next couple of months. Ethiopia is a long way from home, and I wonder whether you've got any thoughts about Australian diplomatic efforts, even as they happen in war-torn places like Ethiopia. Uh, has there been an Australian input into uh, some of those diplomatic efforts to be able to resolve uh, conflict situations, or or are we just removed from it altogether? I think we're so removed. There is an embassy, Australian embassy in Ethiopia, and I'm sure they're involved in the talks. Um, we haven't heard uh, anything about that on the ground. Uh, we can only pray that they are involved. I mean, Ethiopia is so far away from Australia. And from Australian thoughts, um, but 
and we give to to people like this. And not, I mean, many of our, all of our giving is we give to areas that we might get a return and investments in later. But you just you, that's not the art of giving. That's not the the spirit of giving and helping. You give out of um, what's in the Greek word, the agape love, not expecting a return, just of pure humanity and sharing humanity and seeing people in need. We're in a position we can help. And um, they're in a position of, of needing help. And I would just love that uh, for Australians, we could take that attitude and just help some of the most needy and impoverished people um, in the world and not expect a return just out of goodness and love and humanity. Andrew, you've seen this now firsthand, the consequences of war, uh, lawlessness from soldiers especially in sexual violence and uh, no less, no doubt, in Africa than it is in any, any other uh, war zone. But, uh, or is it? Is the morality in African culture even different to what you might even imagine in European culture or other cultures around the world? No, no, I think people, the human nature is the same everywhere, isn't it? Um, we're all fallen before God and um, we're all capable of doing those things. You only have to look in um, uh, what former Yugoslavia and European wars and what's happening in Ukraine now. I mean, we're no no different at all. Human nature is the same wherever we go. And there's been a lot of studies actually saying that, I mean, if you can, uh, in, if you're placed in a situation, you can get away with doing something atrocious and um, and it's seen as okay, then most people, 90, 90% of people will, will do that without any qualms and um, not question it because it's the accepted norm. Um, yeah, which is a, a disturbing disturbing insight into human nature. And I think we're even in Australia, we're, we'd be capable of doing such awful things given the opportunity and given the circumstance. Uh, so that really just speaks that the gospel is the only answer in situations like this, the transformative love of Christ. Um, Christ risen into our hearts is the only hope for um us changing our hearts and being more Christ-like and, and giving and respectful of each other and loving towards each other. You're calling for our authorities, our government here in Australia, to push for peace. And it's all very well that people might advocate on a whole lot of different levels, but you're a doctor. You're on the front line. You've seen the trauma that happens when there is sexual violence. And you want our leaders to know that there are young girls and women who are being raped, and uh, even as young as a seven-year-old girl. In some ways, you've got to draw attention to that sort of uh, atrocity to be able to get attention, haven't you? Mm. Yes, you do. And implore people just out of humanity to, to help and do something about it, to call an end uh, and help negotiate an end and, um, and help those people that are suffering. And your aunt, uh, how does she hold up under the circumstances that she's in? Because uh, you're in and out, but she's there on a more continual basis. Yeah, she, she's been living in the Horn of Africa really since 1974, and she's been through many wars, through the Eritrea, Ethiopia wars of the um, of the, the 90s and um, the Djibouti War, Civil War, um, conflict in Ethiopia, famines. She's been through it all and stayed there through it all. And um, yeah, so she, she's now saying the situation in the area that she's living is the worst that she's ever seen. Uh, first, there was locust plagues, droughts, 
uh, famine because of that and now conflict and stripping any food supply and health infrastructure. Schools are being burnt down, so there's nothing left in many of these communities. Uh, so it uh, feels like she's just starting to, to build all over again. I mean, she's 72 and a remarkable lady and still living there with the nomads as very, very simply sleeping outside each night um, uh, in her little compound in the desert uh, with about 50 other people on the compound that she shares it with because they're all impoverished and they need some need of help. And so she sh- they shelter in her house with that she shares with her husband and children and um, adopted children. And she goes to the front line and uh, there's only one driver in her organisation that's brave enough or silly enough to, to take her towards the front line so she gets an assessment of what's going on. She sees and hears and uh, helps in any way she can and... and finds out how to get the, the food, the, the medicines, the care uh, to those people that, that need it. And there are all sorts of, of awful stories. I mean, there's young children being pushed into the fighting, uh, given marijuana, so they're brave enough to go against their will. And, you know, she's had a couple of um, young girl fighters um, who were pushed in the front line and they had their babies strapped to their back um, with a rifle in their hands going off to fight and you know, just awful, awful stories. Um, yeah, so she's just there bravely helping and doing what she can. Everyone listening to our conversation now will hold your auntie, Valerie Browning, uh, as a wonderful heroine, a courageous woman of God and uh, driven by the same sort of faith that you have too, a faith in God. And that's the sort of thing that can keep you in a war zone. How do you reflect on that, Andrew? Where you're going back time and again into very dangerous situations. Uh, your faith, how does that give you encouragement? Um, I certainly wouldn't do that and live that lifestyle if it wasn't for my faith, knowing that um, this life is not all that there is. We live with uh, the wonderful hope that um, Jesus is coming again and restoring this world or making a new heaven and a new earth, and that's what we're looking forward to, the, the wonderful encouragement of the Bible that we says that um, our momentary troubles and afflictions are not worth comparing to the glory that awaits us with the, the risen Christ, and that gives you hope just to do what the right thing is and to do it in boldness, um, you know, standing up for the God that we believe in. Andrew, thank you so much for taking time to share your heartbeat with us today. And uh, listeners, no doubt, will keep you and your aunt, Valerie Browning, in their prayers. Uh, Perhaps there are some who will want to get a little closer and connect with you, and I'll encourage listeners uh, to connect through the Barbara May Foundation, barbaramayfoundation.com. And to connect on a more general plane, you might want to get a hold of the book, A Doctor in Africa. It's the biography story of Dr. Andrew Browning working and operating on women who've been injured during obstructed childbirth. Andrew Browning, thanks so much for giving us an update today on 2020. Yeah, thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.